You're listening to the Monday Christian Podcast. Well, Dave, here we go, recording a podcast together for the first time in how long. So good to have you back on the Monday Christian Podcast. Hey, as man, it's finally good to see you. You know, we chat on the phone a lot, but uh, there's just nothing like seeing your face and even your Toronto Blue Jays hat will allow it today since... uh, yeah, it's been it's been too long, man. I, I've missed seeing you, and man, a lot. I feel like it's a lot's happened since um, uh, I've seen you last. So, most in our audience will know. Okay, you were the co-host of the podcast for about a year, and then you ditched us when you moved to Virginia <laughs> onto bigger and better things. So, give our audience just a quick mm-hmm. uh, a quick overview. What have the last six months of your life been like? Yeah, in June, uh, July of of last year. Now it's almost been six months, but. Um, for a while, we had just been sensing God stirring in some something up in us to um, sort of take a next step in ministry, and uh, and it was hard because you know we had so many great relationships the place we were at, and uh, still do still talk to those guys, uh, a lot of my friends there about every day, and still teaching online for hopefully a grad class in the spring or fall uh, for. For where I was at there, but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a campus pastor now at a K-12 school, and um, also kind of the fine arts lead there, so I'm starting a band program for them, stuff stuff I care about, you know, and um, in the process of that, also finished my doctorate, got a really cool email. Uh, I got COVID again, and uh, <laughs> New Year New Year's Day, I kind of uh, woke up in a, a NyQuil-induced haze and saw that after nine revisions of my final big guy, uh, my my full thesis had been approved. So I kind of showed my wife and went back to bed. It was crazy, man. It's, I don't know if it's you know what it's like, just the relief and also just the numbness and yeah. It's but it's been great. So what's been going on in your world, man? I feel like we chat a lot, but um, I, I love. By the way, I know many of your listeners probably already are subscribed or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm enjoying getting your daily devotionals, uh, sub- substantive, but also not like, don't drown me either. So I've been reading them every day, just hey, so you know. Awesome. I don't think I said that to you yet, but yeah, it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, so, okay, we added a kid to the mix, so some in our audience will know that back in the fall, so four kids now, and so that's that's what this, this life is like now. Um, different things, you know, you just enter a different phase of life. And yeah. you enter into the, you know, we were already in, in the caravan phase of life. Now we're fully <laughs> immersed in it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you, man. So here also, I forgot to tell you, I turned 40 last week. So there's that, dude. So I'm officially yeah. like, I'm, I might, I'm not hanging up the skates yet, but I'm to the age now that I realize I don't think I'm going to make it to the NHL, man. Even as like a, <laughs> even as like a gritty fighter, like those guys are kind of gone, right? So I, I'm kind of like in this weird spot where I need to go like buy a car from the eighties or something with a stick shift. I don't know what I need to do, but I'm, Hey, I'm starting to cold plunge. That's the other new thing, dude. That's my new hey, thing. Me too. me too. No way. I, I just got mine yesterday. Yeah. I have it in the garage. I haven't assembled it yet. So it's not like it's that much to assemble, but um, yeah. <laughs> we sound like a bunch of old dudes. It's so funny. <laughs> I we just told as before we started, like we are on parallel paths, even just like some of the stuff we've been through in the last few months and everything. It's just so funny. Uh, which, but also not, not to like juke you and be serious, but it seems like, man, so many times I've called you and you've had like a, a word just at the right time because you've been through some of the stuff I'd maybe been through. And, uh, man, just even just this week, I was like, 
call that as around the on the way to work, I think. And it was like, man, that was a word from God from him. So anyways, thanks, yeah. bro. It's really good to see you. Well, parallel universes, even down to cold plunges. Yep. There you go. Well, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, aside from just catching up and allowing yeah. our audience to hear your beautiful voice again, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about specific... So in our daily devotional, as you, you referenced earlier, we've been going through the book of Genesis. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was how does Genesis help us understand uh, the cross? When yeah. we read the Old Testament, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this, I know you're passionate about kind of that connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, how those interrelate, and not divorcing one from the other. So as you've kind of meditated on that, thought about that, and, and just you know received such profound wisdom from these daily devotionals each day... <laughs> Quickly, uh, he's pulling up today's devotional <laughs> and and saying, I learned that, yeah. Yeah, well, when did that first start in your life, that passion to connect <sighs> those two, and why is that so important? Yeah, I think, so, man, a long time ago, a long time ago, I actually heard a, a sermon by Jim Cimbala, um, and he was he was talking about, he was actually talking to preachers, and his his... His, he's a pastor from New York, for those of you that don't know him, veteran guy, really great, really good guy, person of integrity. And he, he was saying that you can't just preach Elijah, like you, because Elijah can't actually save anybody. So telling somebody the story of Elijah is valuable for like biblical information, but the point is, uh, and his point I think was when he was talking at the end of that Elijah story, the people went away saying, the Lord, he is God. So this miracle happens, and you've got to get people to Elijah's God. And the way you get people to Elijah's God is through Christ. And so he's like, you've you've got to move people. And and this, I guess, in, in studying the last four years now, a lot of church history and dabbling in a lot of just reading source documents and seeing, of course, I think you use the ancient commentary on Scripture a bit, um, which is a nifty resource for, for people that like to study and want to see what, like, Christians in the first four centuries were kind of saying about the scriptures, it's it's amazing, it's very eye-opening to see how often they connected the First Testament to Jesus and and would see him on not every page of the book, but just were very... And I, I think there's been a, a movement that's rather more recent where, where everything gets kind of flattened and we get sort of these very truncated things versus like, hey, we already have the second act of the play here, and it would be it would be foolish of us not to like see how those things connect as if we don't know. So reading the, the First Testament through the lens of the New, there's lots of little catchy phrases and stuff, but that's probably a longer answer than you were looking for. But I think that symbol of thing really started my journey, and then at least the last few re- years as I've seen more folks that were Christians in earlier centuries how quick they were to connect the First Testament to to Jesus. I think what's been crazy to me even, so I'm I'm writing through numbers right now. So I just finished numbers because I'm trying to keep about two months ahead of where we're at in the daily devotional phase. So that way I'm not writing at midnight, right? Trying to send <laughs> it out the next day. Good idea. And what, what's crazy to me, I think, it, not crazy, but it's just just fascinating and, and encouraging is that when you read the Bible through, especially, especially the Old Testament, through the lens of Jesus, you realize how many passages in the New Testament refer 
back back to the Old Testament. So, for example, I'm writing in Numbers on the story of Balaam. And there's like multiple passages in the New Testament that point to the story of Balaam, like seemingly an obscure story. But there's actually a lot of, you know, a lot of truth there. And Balaam even prophesies, right, about Christ, right, and all of this stuff. And you see this over and over and over again. And I think just practically speaking, why this is so important for me, I think, is, is that in the West, in America, Canada, uh, it, it's so easy to fall in love with just a specific view of Jesus, right? That we just marry Jesus to our ideas. And as a result, then we, you know, we just kind of make up our own version of him. And yeah. uh, I just see this hap- playing out so many times. Yeah, there's a, there's a depth there when you see, of course, you know, you're going to get there soon, but that that Genesis 3.15 ref- clear first reference to Jesus and what he's going to... But there's just so many connections, and the more connections you see, the more you see the wisdom of God and the plan of God start that unfolds. And I just think there's a reading... There's a way of re- reading the scriptures that I don't find very compelling, and I don't, I don't know that that across maybe the history of the church, it's it's very flat. Uh, so can I tell you a story real quick? So yeah. I was in I was in class and I do this uh, free discussion Friday thing, and um, allow the students in my Christian culture class to ask like free for all questions that connect to the scriptures or Christian ethics or something like that. And in both classes today, people were bringing up stuff in Revelation, and I think the question was something like, does uh, does Russia have hypersonic missiles? And then is Russia this thing mentioned in Revelation book? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know. And I don't care. Because here's the point of Revelation. Jesus wins. Be ready. Like he's gonna he's gonna come set things right. So let's 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 be ready. Let's be ready when he comes, right? Like that's, and there's a lot of joy there, but there's this flat reading, this sort of, I know you hate when I say this, but like Western reading, like we got to read, we need the data here. Like this, uh, this vial, what exactly is that? Is it going to be some sort of plague or is that like a missile? And I'm just like, the writers that were writing this really didn't care that much about that. The point was, I mean, and especially if you start seeing the arc of, you know, the creation fall, redemption, recreation arc, you know, you start seeing the big picture and then you actually, it's not like you don't, it's not like those discussions never matter and we need to have detailed discussions about God's word and and theology matters, but I think we need to see, I think Alistair Begg often says, the plain things are the main things. And I don't want to miss the fact that Jesus is going to come and set things right. Like, I want my kids to know that. I don't want them to get bucked. Yeah. Like, practically speaking, Genesis 1. We just went there last week. Um, yeah. John Walton, were you on? Were yeah, you yeah, we chatted with John Walton. Yeah. Okay, I, even, I, I forgot that. you were even part of the conversation. Yeah, that was uh, a how's fun it one. make you feel? <laughs> yeah, very important feelings of nostalgia. <laughs> it was that conversation that convinced me that you needed to go. So that was, that was the <laughs> one that tipped me over. Um, oh, so, okay, so we had yeah, we had John Walton on back in the day, and. Interacting with him on Genesis, right? And he talks about that Genesis 1, even. There's so many different things, that ideas that Christians have on that yeah. chapter, right? Whether it's the age of the earth, how creation started, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But I think, to your point, it's, it's one thing to have those conversations, and I'm happy to have those conversations and discuss them, but if you lose sight of the big 
the big picture of Genesis yeah. 1, and that God is our creator, and that yeah. Genesis 3, how sin comes into the world, and all these things. If you lose sight of what's happening there um, and focus on just the details, then you kind of yeah. miss the bigger picture. And it's, yeah, it's, I think it's so. odd how often we yeah. do that. Yeah, I, I want my kids to know. I want to know. I want people to know, my students, God's a creator of everyone and everything. And oh, by the way, you're created in his image. Like, let's let's sit there for a while and think that every star and blade of grass and all this stuff he's upholding by, and now we're going to, you know, we might talk about Hebrews later, but he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so we have these beautiful connections, right? And I want to hit that. And let's have those other discussions and let's not be anti-supernatural. I think in, th- in that discussion, I want to affirm this supernatural, awesome creator I want to find common ground with guys like John Walton, whether or not we agree on the specifics or the age of the earth. And and those things matter. Yeah. But let's also affirm God is the creator of everyone and everything. God don't make junk. You're made in his image, right? Like you, you, some, I don't want to miss those discussions because we need to affirm those things. Because I think in this culture, very important that you're made in God's image. You're valuable, you know. Anyways. I want to inter- interact with this question from Andrew. Uh, so he's on the Daily Devotional, and he says, basically, the summary of his statement or question is, how do I hear God's voice? And then I'll add, through Scripture. Mm. Uh, he mentions it just a couple of things. He says, I think the most difficult one for me is, how can I know God? In my head, all of my thoughts are said with my voice. I always found it very challenging to decipher the voice of God. Um, and I think that's a big common yeah. question. Right, I'm yeah. sure for your students as well. Yeah, how do you sense that you're hearing from God when you read His Word, and what's the difference between that and just feeling a good feeling? Yeah, so, so we have value statements that are pretty particular about God's Word, and so, um, so I did my dissertation thesis stuff on corporate prayer and or prayer and ge- corporate prayer, and essentially prayer is conversation with God. And part of this conversation is God speaking to us. It's a very nebulous thing. But according what, what Christians have affirmed across the centuries is this is the very word of God to us. Um, and so when I read this, this is literally God speaking to me, telling him about myself, telling him about the world, telling me about ethics, telling me about the way I'm designed to live, right? And so when I read Proverbs... This isn't just a bunch of wise sayings, a bunch of them written by Solomon to his son or something, although it is, but it's much more than that. Practically speaking, if, if that, Andrew, you know, my, my comment would be something that's been valuable to me over even the last few years, um, getting a Bible app that I hear this as I read it, right? I can listen to it. There's value in hearing some other voice rather than just my own thoughts in my own head kind of reading. So like that that might be a way that you can kind of get out of your own head, but just affirming over and over and over again, these are God's words for me and to me. Yeah. Over and because yeah, you're formed by what you repeatedly do, right? That's why we read we say reading scripture every day is so important, not because like you need to learn how to live a better life. You need to learn how to live life God's way. Those things are true, but more importantly, whether or not you understand the doctrine of the Trinity completely or all the the doctrinal, doctrinal minutiae and implications of Genesis 1 to 11, you're getting God's Word to you every day when you read or when you hear mm-hmm. God. Like you're ingesting the very words of God. This is, how the, this is the primary way He's going to speak to you. And so I would just say, get in the habit of doing it, 
and the feelings or the understanding might follow. But start having the conversation over and over and over and over. You might have some awkward first dates, right? Yeah. But like it, the just do it. For people that are uh, so days ago, I overheard this conversation where someone was talking, and they said, "Well, you know, the Bible. It is what it is, and uh, uh, we have better resources now." And I would say that's that's a very common theme in the self help movement, especially the you know which I'm very well connected with um, just because a lot of authors I work with are are heavily into self-help and a lot of good from self-help tools. But I would say generally a lot of the prominent self-help voices in America, Canada would say something like this. Well, the Bible's good, but we obviously know it's a copy of a copy of a copy. And so there's lots of problems. And so, you know, it had a place in its time and there's a lot of good things, but we have a lot of better things uh, that are, that are available to us. I know the easy is kind of a softball question in a way that we can just hit out, but speak practically to that because I think that that really is as light as sometimes we treat that question. That's a huge barrier for a lot of people for actually reading God's word and taking it seriously. So what do you say to someone like that? Yeah. So if someone is kind of questioning the, the Bible as a supernatural document or like, where did this book come from? Or, you know, even common things. The Bible has errors in it. Or look at these various English translations, and they translate this word differently. Or this word, this this one's missing these words. And how can how can you say of God's word? So all these standard things. I, I think you're asking great questions, and there's not always quick, easy answers. There are great writers out there that have written a lot about this. Um, I would commend Bruce Metzger to people. It's not... It, it, great introduction to how we got our Bible. Um, a good guy. And but, but the thing is, there are also plenty of people out there that um, that aren't Christian that will will speak a different narrative about God's word. Um, but there are plenty. Even uh, we had Michael Bird on, um, so he's he's got some some great writing about some of this, and he's actually debated. Um, oh, the atheist or the agnostic guy. That's Bart Ehrman. They've gone kind of back and forth in this in this area, but I would I would say like dig into it. Like the Bible's not afraid of your questions, but it's not it's not intellectual. It's pseudo intellectual. Like ask a bunch of hard questions and then just like not dig anything out. So I think there's to be honest, there's some work involved if you're going to look at some of that stuff. But I think on the backside of it, if you look at at how the scriptures have survived, the amount of manuscripts that we have, the remarkable continuity, even among manuscripts that might have slight differences in them, how how unified it it's 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 if anything, when I studied this stuff, because I had a lot of these questions as when I studied this stuff, I came on the other side saying like my faith was not shaken by this variation, this textual variation. It, it was like Wait, this is it. This is like a longer ending of Mark and and a, a couple of sayings of Jesus, like where people are fighting. Like, wow! I can't believe how well this was preserved. It wasn't a house of cards to you. I I I, I hear that over and over again. That house of cards language, where if we find you know one, well, in, there, here's an inconsistency or here's an error. Like you mentioned, Mark, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you pick one thing, and then the entire thing collapses, yeah. right? I just don't read scripture that way. I yeah. mean, for, for you, for someone that's listening, and they do read scripture that way, what do you say to them? That it's kind of a house of cards mentality. I, okay, so if I was 
counseling somebody through some of this, I think to your point, even just about reading, I would keep circling them back to Christ and say, at the end of the day, this document that we have that is supernatural in origin and I believe contains the words of God. And and we can also say like in its original without I mean there there are textual variants. We can own that without saying there are errors in the Bible, right? But pointing people back to like what Paul did. I literally believe a guy rose from the dead and I will stake my life on that. Yeah. And that that that's that's the linchpin, right? Not not the longer ending of Mark. Right. Yeah. The linchpin is the is the burial, the real death, and the real resurrection of Christ. And I would kind of take them back there and say, "Hey, maybe your problem isn't like the scriptures. Maybe maybe it's an authority problem. Because if Christ did rise, then He has absolute authority and calls the shots. And this has ethical implications and transformational implications for my life. That's he, to, to, and when and the people I've chatted with that have had doubts." That's that's where the the real problem lies. It's not like I'm not sure if I can handle snakes or not because of Mark, and I can't trust the whole thing. I think it's I think it's a little, it's a de- it's deeper and yet it's more basic. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying because uh, I think there's there's a twofold thing going on. Oftentimes, when people have criticisms of the Bible, and I would say a lot of it comes down to this very basic premise. Right, was it Bertrand Russell? I think he said something to the fact that you know, well, um, if I were to meet God, I would say, you know, why weren't you more evident? Something of that effect, right? And I think most people's objection of the Bible of God often comes down to something like that, right? Yeah. Where, well, okay, how come when I read the scripture, I didn't sense you? How come when I prayed, yeah. I didn't sense you? And all all these yeah. things. Um, so we're going a little bit off base. But for someone that's yeah. kind of, they're on the fence, they're a little bit hungry, and they're starting to read God's Word. Maybe they've picked up the Bible, they're reading Genesis, whatever. Um, what would be your encouragement to them to as they read, especially the more difficult parts of Scripture? Yeah. So that's a loaded question. But for someone that's legitimately struggling, I would, I, w- I would give them some sort of sort of filtering mechanism, maybe some questions to ask about each passage. I know you just kind of do these sort of sections after you, you know, meditate on this, pray about this. You know, I, um, I can't remember the the four. There's so many like four word things out there. Yeah. You know, like upward, downward, inward, outward. You know, like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. Uh, <laughs> And I'm not joking. This is not a joke. I would say, for step one, God, these are your words to me. Help me understand them. Like the part of the Spirit's job, and from my understanding of Scripture, is illumination, making this understandable. Not that every passage is easy to understand. Not that we'll never have questions. Not that the doctrine of the Trinity is deep water stuff. Um, but I believe that God will answer that prayer, and that's that's as simple as that. Not every question will be easy to answer. But I think I think I would start there, like start the conversation with God. Like He wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to make Himself known. If you look at, the, I mean, even from Genesis uh, to Christ, like He, when sin fractures this relationship, He goes to unimaginable lengths to restore this relationship. Like He wants to be known, and I don't think He's hiding from people. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not quite sure how to tack onto this, but. I, 
one of the things I've noticed in my life, there's a lot of times I'll, I'll place demands on God, not maybe mm-hmm. demands, but I'll say, okay, God, I really want you to do this. Or God, can you show me a sign if, if you'll do this? And then it won't happen. Right. And I think in those times, God's, it's, is God's also reminding me that, Hey, you can trust me and you, you don't always have to start over again. And I think sometimes Christians get into this habit where um, they say, okay, God, I really want you to come through for me. And if you don't, they kind of put this, uh, you know, this condition on God that I'm not going to move forward, right? And for me, one of the things I would say that's helped me grow as a Christian is just to kind of take that off the table and say, okay, God, I'm going to keep following you no matter what, because I've seen you evident in my life in the past. Right, I already have that internal uh, sense that you are real, that you're working, you're evident, and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to table some of my questions here. I'll still deal with them, but I'm not going to deal with them every morning when I wake up and I spend time with you. I'm going to enjoy yeah. that time, right? I'm going to spend yeah. time with you, and I'll answer those questions at different parts of my day, right? Like yeah. when I'm maybe not my personal worship time, and I'm going to keep moving forward. And what I've found is that sometimes it takes six months, sometimes it takes a year, but yeah. some of those those questions that I have begin to kind of shake themselves out. Yeah. Uh, I wanted the answer right away, but sometimes it comes later. And I, I think through that, it just seems like that's it's God's way of building faith and character in our lives. And, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Yeah. You We were talking about some of this almost, I think, a few days ago when I called you. But just being comfortable sitting with questions that you don't have answers to. I think um, our kind of mutual mentor friend, uh, Phil Brown, talked about, and he said, David, you know, as you mature, you get more comfortable with things sort of being on your clothesline, so to speak. Not everything has to be taken down and folded because you're asking deeper questions. And... That's a great line. I like that. Yeah. Like, you don't always get answers. That's that's the thing, is, and you know that. Like, there's not always a great answer to the standard, why me, why this, why now, why not that other idiot God, because I'm following you. You know, like, there's not a, there's not always easy answers, and I think to some of the theological questions maybe, maybe we ask when we read, um, I, I think it's helpful, too, when you're reading, to say, like, what are the questions that this author's really concerned with? Because I think it's really easy for us to get into Corinthians, for example, and just like, how does this apply to me right now? How does it? And it's like, no, you actually, it takes a bit of work to responsibly get from Corinth to wherever you live, to Idaho. Like, it, it yeah. takes work. And if you're just looking for quick sound bites and tweetable things, um, I think you'll end up being disappointed. You, you might misinterpret scripture. And there's, my goal is God Himself, right? It's not a bunch of answers to some, I, I don't want to be a beast at Bible trivia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to know out of here. Yeah, we got to get out of here. But if you're on the fence right now and you're listening to this and you've been struggling to get, you know, and you feel like the way out, you, you have a lot of questions, right? And the way out is just getting more answers. I think there's part of that. Answers can be liberating and they can free some of those issues that you have. But one of the things, I'll just throw this out there that's been really helpful to me, Dave, is to uh, really read people who have suffered greatly, mm. even if they're not great theologians. And That's even great. if they're not great answer people, but read people and read the way that they write about God, read the way that they uh, communicate with him and they talk about him and they think about him, all those things. You, when you, when you read enough people that have really suffered and have understood where Christ is at in their suffering, um, 
that for me has been one of the most life-giving things that I've done. So maybe that helps someone in our audience. But uh, we'll have you on next week. We'll talk a little bit more about Hebrews. But Dave, thanks for joining us this week. Love you, brother. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Monday Christian Podcast. To support our vision and find new ways to put your faith into action throughout the week, visit themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com.